Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Denise, and I'm your host. Welcome to Detox Podcast. Uh, this is episode eight called Derailed. And uh, before we jump into the poem, I have a really awesome announcement. Uh, in November, I am going to be leading a workshop with my co-facilitator, Teg Dian Carr, uh, or Linda Nellis, if you know her. Uh, she is a wonderful kundalini yoga teacher. And together, we are going to be putting on a workshop called Whisper and Roar. It's on November 10th in Seattle at Bohemian Studio. And it's going to be this really awesome, emotional, uh, interactive experience uh, with yoga and poetry. And I really, really hope that you come because it's going to be such a pivotal moment for me uh, because this is this is what I want to do. This is uh, such a dream for me is to be able to facilitate healing uh, for people, women especially, in recovery. And uh, that's what this workshop is targeted for, is for women in recovery. Uh, so yeah, you can find tickets on eventbrite.com. Uh, workshop is called Whisper and Roar. Uh, if you're in the Seattle area, please come join us. If you're in Vancouver, Victoria, take the ferry. Oh, it'll be amazing. Uh, anyone, I don't know, if you live in China, come. Like, it'll be great. <laughs> we'll make you feel very welcome. Um, okay. Uh, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Uh, obviously, I'm quite sick. You can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, the smoke is killing us here. Uh, Edmonton has been deemed the worst air in the entire world, like, <clears throat> we beat the rest, and that's gross, and I know there's a lot of people um, suffering right now, so um, please enjoy my weird, raspy, sick voice, and uh, here is the poem, Derailed. Tonight, I will jump off the cliff and spend the evening in free fall. I don't want this. Of course I don't. But I'm like a runaway train. Something is very wrong with my brakes. I know what it's like on safe ground. It's warm and it's bliss. I know that. Please believe me. It's harder to leave than I ever thought it'd be. Yet, helplessly, I'll barrel towards the edge, soaked right through with guilt and a mouthful of excuses, neither of which are equipped to save me from the razor-sharp rocks that wait below. How can I explain how little I want to plummet over? Is there any way to make you see? It isn't me. It's a lie. It's my demons shoveling coal into the flames, fueling me, tricking me. In seven short hours, I'll hang there, spinning in midair, precariously above my sharp demise. The liquor-laced wind will envelop me, winding colder and colder until I'm a cocoon of ice, a statue sculpted by my self-prescribed fate, spinning. Tomorrow, I'll wake back at the station, chugging along to my intended destination, and the only one who will know I derailed is me. Derailed is the story of my last drink on April 19th, 2017. I wrote it earlier that day, and I call April 20th my quit date. Even though I did drink once again when I was nearly three months sober, I still call April 20th uh, my quit date. Uh, but we'll go into the whole three months drinking again thing in a later episode. Uh, for about a month before I wrote this poem, I had been making some headway with my sobriety. 
At that point, I had found Holly Whitaker's blog, Hip Sobriety, and subsequently, Hip Sobriety School. And if you're unfamiliar with Hip Sobriety School, it is an online recovery program, which, when I took it, was eight weeks of lectures, coaching calls, a Facebook support group, and access to a plethora of resources. It is a holistic, intellectual approach to sobriety that really worked for me. Uh, However, when I found this program, the next school session wasn't starting for a few weeks, but I felt ready to do something now, anything to start loosening the chains alcohol had on me. On Holly's blog, I found what she called a fear cleanse, which was reading and doing the work laid out in Gabby Bernstein's book, May Cause Miracles. The steps in the book are meant to induce a mental shift from fear to love. And let me tell you, I was terrified, so this book sounded like it was for me. How could I live without alcohol? I had no idea what that kind of life looked like, but I couldn't imagine it was pleasant at all. Everyone drinks. Alcohol is a part of us as humans. How could I stop being a part of everyone else? How could I possibly be ready to step into the role of against-the-grain social outcast killjoy? Does anyone willingly take on that otherness? I knew I needed to make a major life change, but I was so scared of what was on the other side of alcohol. This book helped me reframe my fear. It lifted the heavy curtain I had hung over my dreams and allowed me to look at them again. The life I wanted stood before me, and I could clearly see that the only thing standing in my way was fear. This book helped me shift the perspective, and I started stringing together a week of sobriety here and 12 days there. And as I say in the poem, I had tasted what it was like to be on safe ground. I felt warmth and bliss, yet despite feeling some freedom, I was still drinking here and there. The reason I broke those strings of sobriety was all for similar reasons. I couldn't fathom doing something without alcohol, or I couldn't fathom declining an invite to drink alcohol. I was, well, fine is a loose term, but fine if I was only going between work and home. But if any sort of social engagement was thrown in the mix, all bets were off. One of these nights or things was uh, a few nights over spring break, When I went to the mountains with my boyfriend, we went to Banff, and the last time I had been to Banff and stayed sober, I was probably like 12, and every single memory I had of partying, of Banff was partying, mountains and partying, wine in front of the fireplace, beer in the hot tub. Every New Year's, we would go as a big group and get like wasted in the streets. Like It was just this, so intertwined for me, like it was a complete package, alcohol in mountains. So of course I drank. And the next uh, was April 19th. And it was something that snagged me deeply. Weeks prior, when I was still drinking, uh, my coworker invited some of us over for a wine tasting. April 19th, that was the night of the wine tasting. This was my ultimate favorite way to feed my addiction. I was good at it. I knew much more than the average person about wine. I knew their vintages. I knew all the lingo. I couldn't wait to show myself off and my knowledge. (laughs) Plus, I love my coworkers, but we never spent that much time outside of work together, so I was really excited to do that, bond with them. It was a perfect combination for addicted Denise. Except, as I've established, this was a pivotal time before launching head-on into full sobriety, I warred hard about this. 
it felt impossible for me not to partake in this get together or like god forbid like go and not drink <laughs> i felt so trapped by it the darkest part of me wanted it i wanted to get obliterated i wanted an excuse to drink bottles and bottles of wine and talk about them in depth and not shy, shy away from them and put them on a pedestal with other people helping me to hold up the facade april 19th came around and i was still cl too close to the whole thing to see it for what it really was the addiction was still in full control and there was no way i was going it was going to let me stay home and they knew by this point in my story all my coworkers knew um, how i was struggling they gave me an out they told me i didn't have to come but by then, I had rationalized drinking that day. I had given myself permission. And once you do that, as an addict, once the permission happens, oh, that's it. That's done. You're done. So I had already surrendered. And I told them I was in control and it'd be fine. And maybe they believed me. But back then, it felt like I was in control. But in hindsight, I was being controlled. It took me a long time to separate the voices in my head. Sometimes I was aware of it. Those demons shoveling coal to feed the flames... I could sense what was a very wrong decision, but there was no way to make a different one. Something much deeper than my own willpower was behind the wheel. So I went, and I enjoyed myself, and I knew and announced that it would be my very last night drinking. I even set an alarm that night to remind myself in my drunkenness that the registration for hip sobriety school had opened. Plastered and rambling on how this was my last night like this, I electronically signed up for the thing that would save my life. How crazy and divine is that? The very last night that was orchestrated for me to chemically melt my brains was the same exact night that hip sobriety registration opened. And I made damn sure that I signed up. The spinning ice envelope section of this poem speaks about the suspended, isolated moments before recovery. So many nights spent out in the metaphoric cold, knowing my fate of every morning after. Pain and guilt, pain and guilt, pain and guilt. I would try to preserve time, to cherish the drunken nights before the next mornings came, because they were unbearable. But not this time. This time there would be pain and guilt for sure, but there would also be hope and direction. It would be the last time I let the addiction make me drink, and for the first time I wasn't afraid. So many times before I would drink in the secret of my own home, and this was the last time, and it was in front of people who cared about me. I told them about everything that was going on with me and my plans for hip sobriety, and they met me where I was and always listened to me, listened to my ramblings, and telling these people was so important and helped make my recovery real. It was the courage to be accountable that helped me succeed. Tonight, I will jump off the cliff and spend the evening in free fall. I don't want this. Of course I don't. But I'm like a runaway train. Something is very wrong with my brakes. I know what it's like on safe ground. It's warm and it's bliss. I know that. Please believe me. It's harder to leave than I ever thought it'd be. Yet, helplessly, I'll barrel towards the edge, soaked right through with guilt and a mouthful of excuses, neither of which are equipped to save me from the razor-sharp rocks that wait below. How can I explain how little I want to plummet over? Is there any way to make you see? It isn't me, it's a lie. It's my demons shoveling coal into the flames, fueling me, tricking me. In seven short hours, I'll hang there, spinning in mid-air, precariously above my sharp demise. The liquor-laced wind will envelop me, winding colder and colder until I'm a cocoon of ice, a statue sculpted by my self-prescribed fate, spinning. Tomorrow, I'll wake back at the station, 
chugging along to my intended destination. And the only one who'll know I derailed is me. <laughs>